स्टूडियो Everyone was like placement, 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 and I was like, I at some point, even if I get into consulting, I probably want to start my own outfit because in their journeys of those people, after a few years, they want to start something of their own. You know, the world revolves around data. A lot of times, what you believe is so biased because of your own experience and environment that's very far from the reality of several other people. I am not above average in anything at all, and every day I'm just. looking at my hair trying to tidy it trying to cover up the bald patch and realizing that just so many insecurities at different places just coming together becoming this massive ball which is hitting my self worth inside of me when you take action on something that you fear and it shows some success when you consistently take action that fuels you to face your fears even more in life ahead From Wine Studio, you are listening to the Inspiring Talk, a show where I bring the conversations with today's most successful and inspiring personalities to help you take your life, business, and career to the next level. Two thousand fifteen, when I just graduated from the college and went to take my first job. like every first time jobbers i was really excited at that job and uh, i was generally curious about a lot of things and uh, i was not only focused on doing my work but also trying to see what else i can do at my work what difference i can make in people uh, that i was working with so this one time i went to an event and i saw this interesting concept called goodies box what that essentially is is whenever you feel like appreciating someone you just write a note and then drop it on the box and on a designated day you just open that box and read those appreciation in front of everyone so you really feel good about yourself and you kind of inculcate the culture of appreciation um so when i implemented that one day my department had noticed that and she went like hey what is that and who implemented this and took out the long story short i ended up being appreciated at our town hall the point of the story is oftentimes we feel that hey you know what this is not my role this is only what i'm supposed to do and we really don't do things that are beyond our kras and uh, in today's episode i invited sarthak ahuja who is a startup and business consultant who is also a content creator and i love his content because his perspectives are completely different how you can really develop the sense of ownership and prepare for the future like you must know the way ai and machine learning is taking over people's jobs and how you can really be in top 1% how you can really prepare for the future how do you generate curiosity how do you go beyond what you are expected to do and make a real difference this episode is something that you will walk back by learning a lot and also we talk about sarthak's and mine bold story what did we learn from our boldness uh, it's insightful you will enjoy this conversation let's get started sarthak thank you so much for being on the show thank you for inviting me i'm very excited to be here this morning Awesome, and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed having this offline conversation with you. And I'm so excited on what our audience is going to take from this conversation. Because when I came across your reels on Instagram, I said, "Hey, here's this one guy whose content, like, I want to like binge listen and binge watch and consume because the analogies that you draw are really, really beautiful. Like, I enjoyed the one where you said, you know, good products are like, you know, temples where you engage like five senses." I can't recommend people to go and check his Instagram but I want to start off this conversation from what we were discussing offline about the average half life of any career today is 3 4 years and at the pace things are changing it's very important for us to upscale and sort of learn as much as we can to stay relevant so why do you think it's important for you not only to focus on one thing but then start looking at other things I think this is something I've said uh, multiple times not just to people at my office just my partners in business but even any occasion I've got to speak with people 
this was a realization that happened sometime last year when i started making content it's been about a year and a half and the journey started from the perspective that one as a business consultant i would feel every day the questions that a lot of founders ask me were very repetitive you know the same kind of faqs come to you daily and i felt there was a way to productize it where i can productize my answer and anyone sends me that question i can just send them that short video saying here is the answer to your question that's why the whole journey of creating content really started and whatever were the faqs i could think of i just kept every day making a short video of not over 1 to 2 minutes giving the answer in brief and keeping it ready also for my team to consume and learn from but what i realized about 3 months into the process and i create content daily it's a part of a daily ritual is after 3 months or almost 90 videos down i felt like i had no other insight to offer or i did not really have any other question that i could think of that comes to me from clients which i answer routinely and suddenly i felt that uh, okay if all my 10 years of experience being a ca helping companies with tax helping them with business consulting related to product and customer insight and marketing and finance could be brought down to just 90 to 100 insights and i don't have anything more to share that for any expert is a very heart wrenching realization ki main kitna kam janta hu like how less i know exactly that i don't know more than 100 insights and i call myself an expert so i think that day there was a switch that kind of you know went on in my mind which said that okay i need to come up with at least one new insight every day and i feel that when you think of output you know how much value can i add to others it takes at least 10 units of input to come up with one unit of output which made me realize that if i want one unique insight which is beneficial to business owners around the country if not the world i will have to do at least 10 times input myself and i think that really started my self learning journey or i would say it was a catalyst in pushing it or propelling it much faster and that was the point i also realized that you know whatever you know today the world is changing so rapidly be it crypto tech product consumer behavior that um, in the next 5 years people will be engaging with businesses and with each other in a completely different way and if you've not upskilled yourself daily towards it you will be absolutely replaceable and irrelevant which is why it's important now more than ever for not just businesses but also for individuals to have a lnd department or an lnd function not for a business but for oneself which is what brings us to you know learning and development on a daily basis is so important and i think for a lot of us learning stops at college we are being bombarded with a lot of information on a day to day basis on our social media and so on and so forth but like active learning where we have an intention to learn where we say that okay you know what i want to learn about this thing in the next few thing like the structured learning that we have in our school or colleges like that's the whole other conversation on you know i love the structure part of it like the other aspect of what do we learn is something that is debatable but the structure is something that we can definitely pick from you know our college and school on picking a topic and then creating a structure around it and then uh, and going about learning for most of us it stops after the college right and one of the things that you talk a lot about is entrepreneurship but i want to focus on intrapreneurship the people not everybody needs to be an entrepreneur if i'm happy doing job then i don't need to take the pressure of being an entrepreneur however i can be the best at my job and show the skills at my job right so for somebody like what are some of the traits that you have seen in the people who are entrepreneurs people who have done exceptionally well even in their jobs and you know as working professionals i mean this kind of reminds me of this one uh, class i took back at isp it was called strategic talent management and um, i remember our professor shared this very interesting stat with us which said that world over an employer makes seven times the amount of money from an employee's work than what he pays him which if you were to also reverse it probably comes to that uh, you know 15% of a business's cost should be employee cost but when you switch it over it also makes you realize that if you're an employee if you are adding seven times value to your employer of what you are being paid if you're 
adding just seven times value, you are an average employee. So for you to really like add value to your employer, you need to do much more than seven times. And I would say, as in business, they say that your product should add 10x value to your consumer. That what they pay for the product or the service, they should be able to monetarily, or in the context of time saved or you know effort saved, get 10 times the value. So as an employee, you need to add 10 times the value to your employer. If you are not doing that. You are probably just being an average employee. So the debate about whether the employer should be taking that much work from you or not is a completely different aspect because an employer is going to compare to other businesses and the risk in entrepreneurship is much higher. The risk of failure is higher. Employees get a fixed pay on a monthly basis. So I feel yeah, 10 times value to be added. If the moment a person realizes that and starts looking at how much value am I adding, on a daily basis, that can help a person become a better entrepreneur. And I think a lot of times when you realize, okay, how do I add more value? That is also the switch that makes you realize that, okay, I probably need to upskill a little more. So coming from the finance industry, I'd say that, you know, an accountant could possibly feel that my job is to just record all accounting entries in such a manner that the output is correct. But for him to upskill and learn, to study those MIS reports better, compare it to industry benchmarks and then come up with the insight that we are underperforming in this area where we need to improve by pulling one, two or three levers. That is what requires extra effort on an ongoing basis and that's where an accountant can really add value to the employer or the business. Yeah, I think I really love this. This is really great metrics for you to look at. Like if I'm creating 7x value, then I'm average 10x value then maybe i'm above average or i'm being better right and to me for anybody to think that way i think that comes from the sense of ownership that you need to own what you are doing and feel like this is my work and not just that you know i'm an employee and i don't care like i just do whatever i want to do right and and for somebody who's looking at growing in their career or whatever way in their learning or expertise or career, you need to take that ownership and you need to step up and say that, hey, you know what? I want to take this responsibility, right? And this is something that nobody can give you. Ownership is something that nobody can ignite in you, right? But that is something that comes from within. Correct. But I feel there is a way to probably ignite it in a person. And of course, it comes from within. But I feel a lot of times, like when I speak with people who are much younger than me or even people who are older than me, and this is what people call like a quarter life crisis or a midlife crisis where they feel that what have I been doing all my life and I probably wasn't meant for this or I'm not finding fulfillment. I think what is happening is people lose that ignition or that drive to further on keep adding value in what they're doing, which is also because things are changing so fast and people haven't upskilled at the same level. So I feel for anyone who's younger, who doesn't know what do I really want to do in my life, it starts with just experimenting with so many things. These days, you can learn marketing online, you can learn product development online. There are so many no-code tools that you can actually become a tech developer online. You can learn finance online. And it's that curiosity in a person that I just want to learn how this functions, which drives experimentation or gathering knowledge on different aspects. And then whatever you start enjoying, you begin to naturally, without consciously thinking about it, doubling down on it. And as you double down on it, over a period of time, you know, it's success fuels much better than failure. So, you know, when you see some success in learning something or finding an insight, it fuels you to keep going deeper and deeper. And I feel that's how careers are probably meant to be made. It's all driven on a first principles level from a person's curiosity. And do you think that curiosity is something that we can learn? I think how they say that there are several types of luck, right? And it would be unfair for us to say that we guys talking here don't come from places of privilege because the first kind of luck you really get in your life is the family and the environment that you're born in. And for people who've probably been not born into as giving or nurturing as environments, for them, the fight has probably been more not from the point of view of what is it that I want to do, but from the perspective of I need to do something to earn money and then 
rise up the self actualization pyramid and be like okay now what do i really want to do so i feel when we say curiosity we also have to be conscious of the fact that we're probably speaking of an environment or a country where basic needs of people are taken care of and the reason why these conversations are now so much more relevant today even in a country like india is because over the years the nation has also developed in a way that a lot of people have actually and our parents and the prior generations two generations have worked so hard to give us the basics that now we can actually think of nurturing our curiosities because our environments have enabled it so even now if you're not trying to be curious or not trying to be learning about new things we're actually doing a disservice to the prior two generations who ensured that we have the basics in place you know you talk about accent curiosity on your you know ted talk maybe we can dive a little deeper into that and what do you mean when you say accent curiosity sure so as you mentioned that i think it's important that i kind of give people context on this and i explain that through a story so i had a close friend back in college in undergrad and i would travel in the metro every day with him and we'd go to college together and come back and that year he won the top quizzing competitions in the country all of them so imagine he was competing with people who were several years older to him not as many younger to him but winning most national level quizzes i was just amazed at what he was able to do so i asked him this one day that how is it that you're so good at quizzing how is it that you know so much about everything and he said you know what it's now been about 8 years after school go back home open wikipedia and just read wikipedia daily for 2 hours so i was like how do you read wikipedia i i couldn't understand the concept and he said so say for example and that day i remember specifically we were discussing nike as a brand and you know nike shoes because that year also there was one design which was quite a rage so he said like we've been discussing nike so i'll go today i'll type nike i'll be reading about nike and i'll see the founder is phil knight so i'll click on phil knight's name i'll start reading about phil knight and then i'll know that he grew up in oregon so i'll start reading about oregon and then that's also where osho rajneesh you know built his empire from so i'll hop on to osho rajneesh so he's like that's how like you know from one topic to the other i'm diving deep into all of them and whatever interests me then which is related i hop on to that topic so the learning here is that you and i can be curious about 10000 things but do we really take action on that curiosity to learn about how that is functioning and go deeper or do we let that curiosity be so superficial that it just dies out in a few minutes of you not taking action so i think um, there's this gentleman who asked a managing partner at sequoia that most vc funds are able to showcase great results only in like one decade or you know a five year period that too dependent on very few bets that they've taken on startups so eventually it's a game of luck so sequoia has probably been in existence for over 40 years now so for decades how is it that it's always outperformed other investors in this space and they said that because we're always paranoid about not knowing enough and i think that paranoia comes from your curiosity poking you that you don't know this if you don't know this or if you don't take action on knowing this you will become irrelevant because someone else will know this and they will make money off of that or gain fulfillment or whatever is your goal you know out of that and you will be left behind because you don't know this not saying that you have to always be paranoid but i think as they say a certain amount of pressure is always good for you to perform well so it's just knowing that balanced amount of pressure when your mind is always in that i need to learn otherwise i'll be irrelevant or what will i do it's just about not being passive about okay i've made this much money and i'm getting this much income and it's about constantly pushing yourself to learn I think it's beautifully summarized and one of the things what we do here at Wine is open you know push people to find something interesting to explore beyond their scope of work like for instance our video editor would say that hey you are only editable editing the videos but I think what you should also look at is learn about storytelling which is very relevant for a video editor to also know how to tell the story like even if somebody like let's say we are having this conversation and somebody needs to take out the piece out of it and then you know curate this into a beautifully done 30 second reel you need to have that knack of storytelling else you will just cut like 12 minute 30 second and 13 minute and then boom you just have 30 second thing 
but it might not be very you know gripping right you need to have that knack of storytelling okay now i know the storytelling bit then what else should i know then probably you should look at how the distribution of this piece of content that i'm creating work or how the conceptualizing for me personally and particularly for the people at jobs one way to really learn about and this is something that comes from my work at pharma company i was in analytical research which means the product has been developed by the research and development team and that would come for us to create the testing methods and you know analytical methods right which means the step before the product came to us is the development you know the product development uh, research team right so take look one step before it came to your table what is it that's happening there you try and learn about that and then one step after you have done your job like for instance after we have done that then it would go to manufacturing site where the knowledge transfer would happen right and how things work there now from what you just do you have expanded one step back and you have gone one step ahead and once you have learned enough about that maybe take one further step maybe after you know it's in the manufacturing side the probably it goes to the packaging and then it will go to the marketing right there are, you can go as further as you can and similarly in the like before research then there was somebody who did a market study and said that probably this is the product that we should work on then there's a, like a research and then somebody said that okay can we try creating this product then comes into the product development then comes to the research and then you know analytical research then after this is done then you know like then you keep on expanding till the time you understand entire thing about that business now you can take one step at a time and that has really helped me understand whatever i work and that's the framework that i use so is there any framework that you particularly use absolutely i think that what i really like about this conversation is that we're picking up frameworks from business and applying them to individuals and actually seeing how if an individual were to apply the same frameworks of business growth to their own lives how they can become such better human beings like for example what you just mentioned when companies have to grow beyond a point it's about you know either vertical integration or horizontal expansion and all your mergers and acquisitions and all growth strategies essentially revolve around okay if i want to optimize on my purchase cost maybe i should acquire the vendor who sells to me and you know i will be able to then save on that additional margin or what if i were to own distribution myself i will save on the margin which my distributors are earning so you know that's how most business expansion works but uh, you asked about frameworks in my life i think if i were to talk of one mantra which is probably helped me all through at every stage be it in school or college or later even in my career right now it's just facing your fears so i remember i was horrible at public speaking like so much so that i remember my class 12th my class teacher asked me to represent our section for intersection debate and while it was too small a competition to really worry about but uh, somehow i was just you know so perturbed by the idea that i had to write down the entire debate learn it by heart because it's almost like you know how people Uh, narrate the hanuman chalisa that if you kind of mess up it one line you will have to go all over again because you've mugged it up so i think that really embarrassed me about myself to a great degree that i was so afraid of talking in public that at one point i decided that i have to face this fear and i have to try and go speaking to people and i started teaching basic concepts to children from government schools because what i realized was you don't fear speaking in public you fear the judgment that people will make on your ability or inability to do something so when say you start with an audience where at least that fear is not present it gives you an opportunity to practice it again and again and slowly elevate your audience so you know there's a process to it another thing was i remember i was one of the editors of the school magazine and i was pushing people that year asking for them to write for the magazine but at the end of the year when the chance for me to write an editorial came i didn't want to write anything because again i was scared i thought people are going to be like what a pathetically written piece and why is this guy been made an editor because he doesn't even know how to write and uh, there was something i did which i was embarrassed of and i felt really apologetic about for a very long time thereafter i one of my friends he had written a piece and i said listen you are so comfortable writing you know different articles can i just take this piece that you've written put it in my name and publish it in the magazine and i did that that year so that year the piece that went in my name was actually written by a friend and 
I kind of held that inside of me for a very long time and I felt really bad about it and one point in undergrad I said I need to overcome this fear of writing so I decided to start a blog and it was called uh, my life is a jalebi so it was a humor blog and uh, it's almost like think malgudi days for a punjabi kid north indian kid in the 90s so i would write a lot about you know my relationship with my grandparents my friends the kind of candies uh, we would all be crazy about and you know the kind of tv shows i would watch and what movie was my favorite what cartoon character was my favorite i would write a lot about nostalgia of the 90s from my life and i started that exercise just to see that i didn't want people to judge me for what i write so i just want to put it out on public display and i kept doing it consistently for for about 6 7 years and i think it has about 150 essays 150 essays down i remember in 2015 it got the best humor blog of india award so i think that one point really reiterated in my life that when you take action on something that you fear you know and it shows some success when you consistently take action that fuels you to face your fears even more in life ahead which is why i feel that as a framework is really important for people to try and take small successes out of so that they can kind of double down on it in the future talking about fears you know i want to touch upon this because this is something that you mentioned before we started recording right the fear of losing something and uh, you have your own journey and i want you to share and i think this also connects back to what we discussed on learning bit and experimenting and going once one extra step what stops us really is the fear of probably thinking that i'm probably not good enough to be going to my manager and say that i also want that extra responsibility or whatever that is right so and it stems from your self belief and you know the self acceptance that you have about and the, the self image that you have about yourself right you know share with us about your sort of experience of and this is something that i can absolutely relate with going bald and what letting go of that whatever remaining hair you had on your head you know taught you about life that we can probably learn and implement and i'll share my bit after you you know shared yours yeah so i think while it sounds very superficial to to people and it may seem very inconsequential to a lot for someone who's probably not gone through it but i think i started losing my hair back at the age of 17 i was probably in 11th grade 12th grade and i remember writing the pre board exams when i was doing that i could see strands of hair like just falling on the answer sheet i was just brushing it off and uh, writing my exams and i think at that time i thought it's probably the stress of the board exams which is leading to this but soon after i realized that it continued to fall and i started going to dermatologists started talking to doctors and they recommended a bunch of things you know topical solutions that you should apply serums and this thing called minoxidil and probably eat this and eat that and eat iron tablets and what not and i think my biggest fear at that time was that um, you know i i did my schooling from a boy school so i was like my entire opportunity to date women is going to start after i get done with schooling and if at this point it's going to give me the biggest hit at a point which is probably my strength which is my hairstyle you know how am i going to go ahead in life and woo women and you know date women and get into relationships because i was all out you know like after a boy school i was like man i'm going to college it's coed but uh, i remember a doctor gave me some minoxidil solution which i would continue to apply and it worked for about 2 3 years after which you know the effect kind of keeps waning off and you start losing hair and you've got a receding hairline and all and i remember this was around 2016 i had joined isb and i saw a few pictures from the orientation week and i saw there was a bald patch behind my head and um, that's like losing hair i was probably in a state of denial but that's when it really hit me that oh man you're half bald and i was like damn i look easily at least 7 8 years older than i actually am if i don't find this face attractive how will any other person find this attractive and you know to add to that isb is such a phenomenal place of such smart people who are put together in one campus and locked in there that for one year you're literally interacting with some of the biggest alpha people in the country smartest people in the country and while i was always academically one of the brightest in the cohorts i would find myself there was one place where i felt damn i'm not smart at all i'm not even average i got a b negative in my statistics paper which was term 1 
suddenly i'm like below average as a student i have no self worth because of the way i'm looking i feel i'm not smart enough i feel i'm a misfit people are so much smarter so much better looking i was never good at sports suddenly i see people playing football and tennis and swimming and better than me at literally everything and my self worth took such a dip because i was like i am not above average in anything at all and every day i'm just looking at my hair trying to tidy it trying to cover up the bald patch and realizing that just so many insecurities at different places just coming together becoming this massive ball which is hitting my self worth inside of me that i want to get rid of and very jokingly this one day i just decided that okay i'm going to shave my head with a friend and you know he he took this shearing machine and just sheared me and made me go bald and i was laughing about it and i went for a shower immediately after and i came back and i looked at myself in the mirror and i literally just broke down that very moment i started crying and i was like what do i even look like like what has happened to me how can anyone find this face attractive when i myself don't have enough love for myself and i remember easily for about 4 uh, or 5 months i would cry myself to sleep on some days worrying about that i don't have friends that i can relate to on other days thinking i'm not smart enough third days thinking i'm not good looking enough four days thinking that physically i'm not the most fit i can't play sports and i think it took a fair bit of looking at myself like that daily for about 6 months which brought me that acceptance i felt that i should shift my focus on things that i can possibly control and if i'm not smart that's okay i can at least focus on learning whatever i can so suddenly my focus shifted from do i want a big placement from isb or do i want this much marks to i want to learn something i don't already know so while i done my ca cs cma these kind of courses in finance and accounting prior to that i decided to take up a, my expertise or my masters in marketing and leadership at isb and i thought i'm going to study all case studies related to this and even though at term 7 and 8 where students are placed they don't study as much because you know placements are done they want to relax and party towards the end of the mba i would read all my cases before class underline make pointers not because i was trying to impress a professor or something but because my mind has switched to i need to learn and be better i'm below average that's absolutely okay and i think that mental switch from what is within my control to what is in my control is very powerful and uh, gradually i started loving the way i look because my mental switch changed to what is it that i can control and because consciously i was making efforts towards that suddenly all these voices gradually started weaning off and you know started shutting down and started liking myself in all other aspects too so even though i wasn't the best of swimmer i decided at least i can do 10000 steps every day and you know take care of my health and that's doable and why not so i started focusing on that and because i achieved that over a long period of time that gave me a certain feeling of success and what not and now it's, it's probably been about 6 years i've sported this look and i call it you know how there is a crew cut and there is a mushroom cut and whatever i think this is the brazilian cut really and i think it's uh, hot looking like i can very well afford a, a hair transplant but i would rather never do it because i think for me this is a constant reminder that this is something you feared in your life for probably about 5 years and shaving that hair off knowing that now what is there to fear now what is there to lose nothing focus on things that you can control that was such a powerful switch in my life that i rather keep it this way every day as a constant reminder that face your fears and focus on things that you can control so beautifully put and thank you so much for sharing that because i know you haven't shared this before and you know i can so relate with that because for me it was a little different my own experience because i was losing the hair but i was least bothered about it i'm like i don't give a damn like if i'm losing hair then so what's the big deal with it i mean there's no issue with that right but for me it was external you know sort of poke that a lot of people would give oh look you are losing your hair what are you doing about it you should go and do this and that and what not and for the longest period of time like you said i was in denial i was like oh you keep on talking i don't give a damn like i'm okay with it it's okay and then when you know the thought of okay i think i should just get rid of it and then go completely bald that scared me you know like you said the fear of losing something i don't know what 
and you know i tried <laughs> you know using the apps to create a mock up of what i would look like if i you know went bald and so on and so forth and one day like you said i just got rid of it and then i realized how much time efforts and energy we put in things when i did that i felt relieved and i'm like okay like you said now what else is there to fear like you know this is something that i felt is such a big thing in my life now it's almost nothing because you know i don't even care about it like it's that's me and uh, you know after that i i have felt this upsoar of self confidence you know that i started feeling that hey you know what i own this this is part of me and like you said even today like people say that hey i think you should consider transplant and so on and so forth i'm like i'm never going to do that why would i want to force something i would just leave with it because for you it's a reminder of facing your fear for me it's a reminder of the journey that i went from journey of self love and acceptance and owning who i am right and that's been such a beautiful 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 journey for me there so i think uh, the lesson from whatever we are sharing here is for some of us it could be physical insecurity for some of us it could be emotional or social or whatever that insecurity or the fear that we have is just that face it and get past it and don't spend too much time thinking about things just get down with it and move on i think how it also relates to business very consciously is there a output metrics and input metrics so basically if a business focuses on you know we want this much revenue in the next year or we want this much profit so we want this much market share you can't have it because what you're focused on is something which is outside of your control what we help businesses with is identifying input metrics what are the levers which can help you reach that and your focus in business should only be on achieving those input metrics consistently because if you attach yourself to something which is beyond your control and you keep beating yourself about not being able to achieve it or reach it then it's just a futile attempt because you're crying over something which you can't even do anything about so you know just understanding those input metrics and even in business or your personal life focusing on just that helps make all the difference it's something as simple as you know reading someone would want to learn more about a particular subject but if they think that how can i know so much that i'll become a cfo tomorrow of my company or cmo it's just such an intimidating thought that you will never get started but when you focus on just reading one article every day or just starting with one book and finishing off in maybe one month two months or whatever and just doing that daily you won't even realize how soon you will get to that point i think that's a great mental switch to have you know attach yourself to and i think this is part with gita also says that you know focus on karma and not on the outcome you know what is it that you're going to get and i think and that also like you said it's less intimidating it doesn't put a lot of pressure you are doing it for the fun of it not for the outcome of it great so now we are talking about how do you really potentially become someone who really consistently learns and take the responsibilities and entrepreneur so um, you know how do you become one and there was this one conversation i had with uh, varun maya who runs this company called avalon scenes and that conversation i was scared because he said that ai is going to take over and is going to take 99% of the jobs of the people we don't know when that's going to happen but you know we can see that happening with the rapid pace of things right one thing is learning you take the extra responsibilities and so on and so forth so are there any ways other than that that where people can actually become irreplaceable like do you really focus on one topic and go deep into this or you like pick the other topics is there any any insight that you want to share on that so see if you were to ask a business owner you want to hire a cfo there are two options you have one is someone who comes with 20 years of experience running the finance and accounts function in a related company who could solve this problem the other guy comes with just 7 years of experience so it's literally like one third the experience of the other guy but he knows a little bit about performance marketing also he knows a little bit about no code also he knows a little bit about product development as well and of course he he comes from 7 years of experience of finance which one would you pick and um, i ran this as a poll on my social media channels and most people picked the latter with lesser years of experience in that function but having more exposure to multiple avenues and functions also and i think the reason that works for most people who want to hire 
is because they do realize that beyond a point, skills in a particular function only add as much. But for you to really take on a leadership role, you need exposure to multiple domains so that you can think how all of them come together and take more holistic decisions for the business's growth. And I think the same thing applies in our lives as well. You know, as they say that um, life is almost like you need to balance between three things, which is time, health and money. So at any point, people will be able to have two, but not the third. So, you know, when you are young, you don't have money, but you have time and you have health. When you are hustling in your 20s and your 30s and you're beginning to make money, you still have health on your side and you have money, but you don't have the time. And when you grow older, you have money and time, but you don't have health. So the real beauty is in balancing all of them together, which is even in skills. The real beauty is understanding what more can you add in your skill set. So I remember I was um, hosting and moderating this one CFO summit a couple of weeks ago in Bangalore, where CFOs of some of the biggest companies were put together. It was so all of us were in a room, and my job was to really ask them about how tech is disrupting their business and their function as a CFO. And the conversations turned so beautiful because I realized those guys as CFOs also were so aware of what new technology is coming into their function. And maybe that's the reason why they rose up to the ranks of CFOs because they didn't understand it as a function of their learning. So I think more people realize they need to go deep in one function but also wide on several others is because one function can get automated first by AI or technology. But if you also have a wider lens, you'll be able to see where else can I continue to add value to the business and the world and then maybe continue to just be on your own fulfillment journey of adding value to other people and making money in the process. Daily coffee and startup. Yeah, that's daily coffee and uh, startup fundraising. That's my book. How did that come about? So how did that come about is a so in business, you always say that, you know, you have to figure out what is the gap in the market? What is it that the consumer wants and giving it to them? So in about a year of me making content, two of the most common questions I would get in my Insta DMs and also on LinkedIn. One was, can you help me with startup fundraising? Because I work as an investment banker, so that's my job. The second was, can you recommend a book where I can learn everything that you're talking about in your content? And I recommend a lot of books on my social media profile. So on my Instagram, there's this one highlight. It says read. And there are easily about 30, 40 books that I've recommended, which I've read over the past uh, one year. So, but I would never be able to recommend just one book, which would collate the knowledge from all of them for a first time entrepreneur. So I felt that was a need in the market, answering those two questions together in one resource. So I thought, okay, whatever is this knowledge base, let's try and convert it into a book. There are a lot of books on startup fundraising. Most of them, very safe to say 95% or more of them have been written by foreign authors or even authors of Indian origin, but who are based out of the US and Silicon Valley. So a lot of the perspective is very US Silicon Valley based and it's not written for Indian founders. So I feel a lot of Indian case studies, Indian context, how is the law different in India? How is the process different in India? Uh, you have a lot of blogs answering those questions, but more than half of them are also incorrect. So I felt it was about time that someone puts it together. And um, this one publisher got in touch with me, said, you know, would you want to write a book? I said, absolutely. You've taken the words out of my mouth. I've been thinking about it myself. He said, I can help you expedite the process. I'll get you a writer. You put together the table of contents and you give us the content and we will make it easy to transcribe it for you. So he got me this one uh, young girl who's just completed her undergrad in psychology had no background in finance, nothing in entrepreneurship. And uh, every alternate day for two hours during my jog and walk after I closed the table of contents, I would just for two hours tell her about one topic in the book and explain it to her. And she would understand, which I thought was uh, quite an achievement because the idea was to explain it to people who have no background. So we could do that consistently over a three-month period 
and yeah she was kind enough to transcribe the entire recording of what i was saying and sending it to me then we would edit it i would add tables and processes and flow charts and things like that so in about 4 months we could uh, close the entire book right from writing to editing to cover design and everything and we published it and we released it i think sometime in the end of october I, it was around navratras that we did launch that book and yeah we've sold out the first batch so the second batch is now going in print and hopefully it should be out soon and yeah it's, it's been amazing super stuff i link that up in the description of this episode and for anyone interested in learning about startups fundraising and beyond that you know sarthak has got his vast experience in working with a lot of startups helping them raise the fund and there is a lot that people can take from like he said from the indian context which is really really important so congratulations on your book what is the number one wrong belief that you held for the longest period of time about yourself i remember this taking this one um, you know test back at isb almost everyone was signing up for it and it was i think et economic times organizes this some leadership test okay so everyone was taking it i also took it and i didn't get shortlisted for the next round and everyone else did and when i was analyzing my answers i realized that everyone else was probably more data focused than i was i was more consumer insight and belief and this and that focused and that's what was reflecting in my answers and i realized that you know the world revolves around data a lot of times what you believe is so biased because of your own experience and environment that's very far from the reality of several other people which is why before you make any belief firm either about yourself or the world or how the world functions it's important to look at data which is fair and correct and hopefully free from all biases and i think that's when i realized that okay if data is important for business data is also important for one own self that was the time i built an excel sheet where i said okay i'm going to track every day things that i should improve about myself so am i waking up before a particular time am i going to the gym how much cardio am i doing how much weight training am i doing i will measure all of these things i will measure my learning did i read at least 50 pages of a book on professional development did i do at least one hour of reading on new technologies product etc etc so those are the kind of things i started plugging in an excel sheet and i would mark myself as green amber or red on a daily basis so i think when i started doing that i realized like i could clearly see the improvement in several aspects of my life immediately so i think a lot of times people believe why oh, i'm improving this year i've done this which i had not done last year this year i've achieved this but only when you track it daily can you really see are you improving daily or not and i think daily is such an important aspect because consistent effort that compounds is very very different and it's very similar to business you know there are businesses who look at monthly mis what was our last month sales and what was last month's profits and i'm like no you've lost the game the moment you're looking at monthly mis because you're looking at your numbers only 12 times a year think of the business which is looking at it on a weekly basis they're looking at it 52 times a year 40 times more than you are the difference that mental switch can make so i feel just recording and analyzing data daily basis even about your own self can be a very big switch so to build that consistency it's important to first if you've read this book called atomic habits you know by james clear and when i read it i realized how a lot of it i was doing intuitively but it put a framework to it which even reinforce that belief further in me so you have to start with something which is small and doable if you're probably like 100 kgs and want you want to get down to 70 losing 30 kgs is very intimidating a thought but if you say okay what is it that i can do daily can i walk these many steps every day it's not putting too much pressure if you like playing racket sports can i play badminton every day or can i do something that you enjoy which is easily doable daily so for a lot of people who probably want to get on a diet you know just cutting sugar or if you can't cut sugar just cutting down on say two cups of coffee where you take your sugar from four coming down to two can also be a minor switch so the idea is start with one thing do it consistently over say a month then add one more small little bit do that also 
consistently for a month. So keep adding one little thing on a monthly basis. When you do that, you are just working on one small habit because the other one, since you've been doing it for 30 days or 60 days or 90 days prior, it's already become a habit and a part of your daily routine. So I think the idea that I try to follow in everything that I'm trying to improve on is just take a little, one little easily doable thing, like even for content. We're not a content company. We are into finance, business consulting, and I felt, okay, content is my learning system. It's also content marketing for our business. So we're not going to focus on how much time it takes to edit. We're not going to focus on how much time it takes to record. I'm just going to pick up my iPhone, speak out an insight, immediately post it online and be done. The entire process, if it takes more than 20 minutes of my day, it's eating out time from my main business or what I want to do. So I was like, the process has to be in less than 20. Only then is it sustainable for me. So I think that switch has really helped us keep going now with about almost 600 videos. That's really powerful. Sartak, you have been a black sheep in some extent, going to ISP and saying that I'm not going to take placements. You know, and the problem of being a black sheep sometimes is you deal with this feeling that, hey, you know what, I'm doing something, but people around me, you know, understanding. You mentioned about after your, you know, term getting over, everybody got placed and they were partying and stuff like that. You were studying and saying that, am I doing the right thing that everybody's partying? Is this even the right thing to do? Or, you know, uh, am I making a mistake? And, you know, that kind of doubt sort of cripples in because the environment that you're surrounded with is heading in direction A, and you are headed in some other direction and you don't know if you are doing the right thing or not, right? And so for anybody who is right now listening or watching to us, who is going through that phase of nobody around me understands and am I doing the right thing? Is there any message or lesson from your own experience of being that person that you want to pass on? I think that is a part of my personality added up because of several smaller instances or experiences and if i were to go back i remember my parents telling me that in i was studying for ca final and they said listen everyone takes coaching for this and it's not easy what all subjects do you think you need coaching for do you want to sign up and let's in time let's sign up for those classes so that it's not too late that you say oh i don't understand this and i'm flunking my exams i said you know what like because others take coaching doesn't mean i just want to sign up for it i first want to see where is it that I'm facing trouble in understanding and then go ahead and do it? So for me, I think a lot of times in life, my parents trying to tell me, oh, the world is doing this. Why don't you do this? Has just been like, okay, let me figure it out. Like I'm not going to take that on face value. So at that time, I remember I was really struggling with this paper called Strategic Financial Management and even uh, this one on operations research. And I ordered one book. I studied from it and I couldn't understand jack shit. Second resource I tried was slightly easier. And I said, let me just uh, try and look for some resources online. I remember in operations research, I was searching for that subject on YouTube. And I found this one class, like a two and a half hour class recording by a professor at IIT Madras who was explaining that subject. I watched that video and I just understood the entire thing. And I was like, wow, like I'm so blown away and thankful that this video exists and could teach me about it. And then for whatever chapter I wouldn't understand or whatever topic, I realized, okay, I can do this. I can search for it online and try and find something that will explain it to me. And for everything, I literally found something online. So I told my parents, I don't need coaching. I think I can find solutions myself. I can figure this out. Uh, let me attempt this by myself. And they said, cool. So I went ahead and did it. And I mean, I'd say it would be unfair for me to say, that the credit goes to me. I think I was very, very blessed and lucky to have done that. But when I kind of passed my CA final exams, a lot of newspapers kind of published this news article about me, about being possibly the youngest Indian at that time to have completed four degrees by the age of 23, which was CA, CS, CMA, and an undergrad in finance, all without any coaching. So I think that was an added kicker. That told me that I can learn or do something even though the world is taking coaching, that's okay. So I think then when I went to ISB, everyone was like placement, placement, placement. And I was like, I at some point, even if I get into consulting, I probably want to start my own outfit because in their journeys of those people, after a few years, 
they want to start something of their own so i remember having a lot of conversations with professors and the dean and you know the dean said that listen if you really want to do it four five years into it you may probably not have the courage to give up and do it yourself because at that time you'll probably be married you'll have responsibility for your family and it keeps getting harder and harder you know for people to give up so he's like you know what if you really want to try it out right now why don't you go ahead and do it and let me give you that option that if you opt, opt out of placements this year and you try it out for a year and doesn't work out you can come back and sit in the placement process next year and i'm so thankful to the dean to give me that opportunity and that option because i was willing to openly speak about it so much and you know try and search for an answer that just that safety net give me the comfort to okay let's jump in and let's see if we can do this so i feel safety nets are also found when you go out searching knocking enough doors so the first step is just going around asking and not fearing that if you ask you look stupid i think that's what has probably helped me so far amazing this has been such a great conversation sarthak i have two more questions the first one if you were to redo this all over again what are those three things that you would have done differently or started early or maybe you wish you learned earlier i think one the moment i realized i need to track data of business and my own self had i started doing that much earlier i think i would have definitely skyrocketed i would have like to believe i mean while of course i wouldn't want to change anything about my life these are certain learnings where if others can probably take that would be one just measuring data second adding value for the world everyone's focused on what can i get from this job what can i get from this relationship what can i get from this environment this experience if you focus on what can you add to the other person and is it 10x or what you're getting that switch the sooner you make starts opening so many more opportunities for you i think that's something i would have started third i again it's linked to the second i wish i had started creating content much earlier and that's because that was my way to give to entrepreneurs knowledge about what i knew which they would pay so much to consultants and you know professionals to get answers to and i was giving it away because i wanted people easy access to that information i think had i started doing that much earlier there were so many more lives i would have touched and impacted so imagine you are standing on the stadium and this is the largest stadium in the world and there are millions and millions of people in that eagerly and passionately waiting to listen to you you've been given only 1 minute of the time to share the most important lesson that you have learned in your life what would be your message i think if we come down to fundamentals and first principles everything comes down to you have control over your mind and on your senses so you know how even in the gita there's this one visual which shows you know shri krishna was the one who was manning the rath the chariot for arjun and there are five horses and says that these five horses are the five senses anyone who's gotten control over all these will be able to achieve everything that they possibly want and a lot of times that achievement may just be the realization that i was just running after things which are inconsequential in life because it's just that self control or that self realization you know that you've got everything in that satisfaction because as they say the paradox of success or wealth is also the more you keep getting it the more dissatisfied you are about not having more of it so i think which also stems down to not having control over your sense of desire right so i feel if people can just learn to control that i remember having this conversation with a friend uh, recently and he said that he heard this one billionaire talk on a podcast who said that the past 8 years i've had the same item for breakfast daily yeah you heard of that and uh, the reason is that he wants to kill his urge to satisfy his taste he's like if i want nutrition i'm getting it taste pushes you to have things which are unhealthy do things which you should not be doing in life and if a person can just control that so much of a difference it can really make in their life in how they optimize and prioritize things so taste is just one sense if you can have control over your desires and your senses unbeatable this has been such a 
phenomenal conversation, Sarthak. Thank you so much for taking this time out and uh, sharing your insights and wisdom with us. Thank you, Pajay. Pleasure is all mine. Really hope this adds some value to people because I mean, I don't think of myself as very wise, to be honest. So for you calling it wisdom, I think I'd give credit to my look, which is similar to that of a monk. So all credit goes there, but two monks, <laughs> two monks, <laughs> absolutely. So glad it added value and it really did to me as well. And I'm so thankful you had me here. All right, thank you. It's been great conversation. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed listening to this, I want you to do two things for me. Number one, if you are listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, subscribe to the podcast and give five star ratings. This will help me attract more listeners to this podcast and take this information to a wider audience so that we can help more people grow in their life. And second, share this episode with at least three people in your network who you think need to hear this episode. You never know, just by sharing this episode, you can help them transform their life. Be that person who helps others grow in their life. Thanks again for listening to this episode. I'll catch you in the next. Now, go out there and do something inspiring.